you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. And for more inspiration, go to Amazon.com and purchase my latest book, Say Yes Every Day, Discovering Your Superpower. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a positive and productive day. On today's show, we are going to discuss how to become fearless, and I am thrilled to introduce you to the author of The Fearless Factor, Miss Jacqueline Wales. She is the author, speaker, and coach of The Fearless Factor, a motivational company for people who are ready to turn off the fear, self-doubt, anxiety, and turn on the confidence so you can live your best life now. Her unique programs have helped women around the globe develop strong personal success, confidence, communication, and clear vision of their goals. She is also the author of the semi-autobiographical novel, When the Crow Sings, and a recorded CD of original songs written and produced by her called The Secret of the Sun. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being with us today. And on Positively Charged Biz, we like to start at the beginning. So please tell us, when did you first realize you were fearless? I think it took a long time in coming, frankly. Um, I did a lot of risky stuff growing up. Um, I grew up in a background that was, most people would call highly dysfunctional. And it had all the, the kind of common traits of alcoholism and abuse and so on and so forth. So fear was a very, very big part of my life. And it ran my life for a long time. So being fearless, coming into what was it that was being fearless, it's interesting because when I think about it, I left home at 16 with hardly any money and not any real job prospects. And I was born in Scotland and moved to London. So again, I was, I was making a huge shift. But did I think of myself as fearless at that moment? The answer to that is probably not. Um, I think it was more fear-driven than, than fearless. And it wasn't until I had kind of come through several decades into my 40s when I began to really take risks, because what is, is being fearless? It's not about the absence of fear. It's the courage that it takes to show up to the fear and do something different. That's really all being fearless is, uh, is that sense of, of courageous risk. That's how I like to, to frame this. So my courageous risks have been many over the years. I'm, I've been a global nomad. I've moved to many different countries, different cities, without knowing people, without having a job, without you know the resources to really support me um, until I was into my probably mid-30s when I really started to get a handle on on you know, wanting to do things differently. And in my 40s, I became a writer, a singer, a martial artist, uh, a cantor for synagogues. Uh, you know, I did a whole bunch of stuff in my 40s that were truly fearless and, and stepping into places that most people look at and go, oh, I don't want to go there. You know, that's, that's really risky. But that's the point. The point is that most people don't take enough risks in their life. And so for me, the becoming fearless was really about every time you take another step in a new direction, 
you get more and more courage, you get more confidence, you get more sense of who you are. And ultimately, it led me to doing what I'm doing today and writing the books that I'm writing today, because it's all based on experience. Been there, done that. Yeah, and I love that. And and it's interesting, you know, we were speaking before we went live that I kind of had that epiphany a couple of years ago myself, where I realized that most of our lives, for most people, you kind of just repeat the same thing that you've done because you get into these cycles and you think, well, it's not that your life is bad. It's not that everything isn't going the way it should. But when you get caught in that cycle, you're not truly living and you're not experiencing new things and you're not getting out of that comfort zone to where you're growing and thriving. So I guess, and we all know it, it is scary, right? Sometimes doing things for the first time and you're not you you're not an expert when you first start doing things or putting yourself into a situation where you're not that expert. You're not confident, right? No one's confident initially when you first do things. So, we know it's a mindset. How do we get over that? What what are some tips or some ways that we can continue to embrace that? Well, I think start with the acknowledgement that I don't know what I don't know. That's that's the big one right there. I don't know what I don't know, but I'm willing to explore. I'm willing to discover what that looks like. And many times what happens is people figure they should be able to figure that out by themselves. The answer to that is no. How many mentors have you had? How many people have you had in your life who said to you, don't go that way, go this way. And, you know, take that that chance that, that is going to be good for you. So a little tip that I would give is, first of all, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Number one, if you want to change, get comfortable being uncomfortable, because that really is the only way that we can make the next move to take the next step. And frequently, people, when they're they're in fear, it's that fear of the next step. So I would say take it because literally you'll find out it is not as big as you think it is. Most of our fear is imagination based. We make stuff up in order to to quell the uncertainty, to put a story on it, to put a label on it. So take that next step and know that whatever fears and and stuff that's going on in your head, you're kind of making it up and, you know, take that risk to, to test your assumptions. Because a lot of the time when we get into those cycles is you've got an assumption going on. Well, you got to test it. It's like research. So here's the other thing about being the fearless piece. I'm in research mode. I'm curious. What about this matters? Why is, you know, where am I going with this? And, you know, get engaged in it. See it as a puzzle because that's, that's a big piece of it right there. Yes, absolutely. And you said a couple of very good words there, okay? Be curious. And it's so fascinating because that curiosity, um, it also reduces your anxiety. Like every time that we're being curious and we're being um, doing our research, it actually has a calming effect on us, which, which is wonderful. And you also mentioned about being comfortable, uh, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Look at the year we've had. Look at how much we had to adapt and change and get uncomfortable because for all of us control freaks out there, and many of us are, 
We had to let go. Well, me too. <laughs> we had to let go and realize we're not in control of some things that we had control of before. So once again, you know, how do we continue to let those things go that we're not going to be able to control and get into that uncomfortable state? Well, I think one of the things that's been clear about this year, Laura, is that we are having to look at our priorities. What is it that really matters to us? And for many people this year, and all the conversations I'm having, it's about simplifying, about really getting down to the basics of what really matters in your life. And most of the time it comes down to family and, of course, your job and, and whatever you're doing to keep the roof over your head, food on the table and gas in the car. You know, these are the fundamentals of life. And of course, a lot of people are finding that those fundamentals this year are really being stripped away. And uh, it's an extremely uncomfortable place. And, and, you know, there's not a lot I can say about that in, in terms of, you know, get over it because you can't. It's not the way it works. But you can start to put down on a list, if you like. I'm a great list maker. I love to write stuff out. And I think when you can actually articulate and you can put down on paper what is going on, then you can start to extrapolate some of the important things for you and then categorize because we're really good at, at containing stuff. And when you talked about control earlier, I'm a complete, or, you know, maybe better at it, but I definitely had control issues. Control is about creating safety. And that's a really interesting piece to think about because if you feel like things are out of control, it means I'm not safe. Well, is that true? I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, it's probably not true that you're not safe. It just means that all the minutiae of your life is no longer being managed by you. And that's what we do as controllers. We manage everything and everybody around us in order to create that safety environment that mentally is what we are looking for so when you're thinking about being in uncertainty create the framework around yourself about what's important but also get support i mean we all need sounding boards and if you just keep it all inside of you then all you're listening to is a yada yada radio and the yada yada radio is filled with negativity so you get these voices that says you're no good, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're stupid, you're this, that, and the next thing. And especially if you're in an, an uncertain position with your job or whatever, you make it all about you, when in fact it may not be about you. It, in fact, often it's not about you. It's about the circumstances that are now out of control. And recognizing that is a big piece of it. So there's a whole mental jigsaw here. There's a, you know, this is a piece that I can't unwrap for you in terms of one or two, you know, like here's the thing you should do. There's a whole lot to this, but it has to be first and foremost self-awareness. I mean, I talk about this in the book, The Fearless Factor at Work. It's one of the critical elements of what we call creating your power skills. And power skills is something that was recently, we talked about emotional intelligence and soft skills and so forth. Now we've got a new label. We've got power skills. And number one is self-awareness. When you know who you are, you know what your strengths are, you know what your weaknesses are, then you have an opportunity to say, okay, that works for me, that doesn't work for me. And then start to, to figure out, so what do you really need? And then ask for it. Because one of the big things that I you know, come across regularly, especially for, for women, 
I have to say, is they don't ask for what they want. So, you know, asking for what you want is a scary proposition. You might get turned down. You might get told that you're not really qualified. Uh, you know, you've lost your credibility, whatever. You can, again, go into the same stories that you tell yourself. But there's a whole series of things that one must take. But number one, start with self-awareness. Start identifying your strengths and your weaknesses. Most people say to me their the biggest fear is failure. And I say we're all failing our way to success. Failure is, is a learning process. And when you, you look at what you're learning in this, you know, something didn't work, an expectation that didn't come out the way you wanted it to, a decision that was not the right one. These are all elements of figuring out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And when people say to me, I'm afraid of failure, I'll say, here's the deal. Make a column of success and make a column of failures. I guarantee you your columns of success will be a lot longer than your columns of failure. But look at what the failures were, and you'll find the gems, the gold that helped you with the successes. Oh, so put that on paper. Yeah. I mean, no one, <laughs> you're never going to have success if you haven't had a few failures along the way. So fail forward, learn from what you've experienced, and then take it to that next level for the column of success. So absolutely. Now, another thing you mentioned about some of the things we learned this year. I think one of those factors, and you also mentioned it, is the importance of gratitude. So tie into a little bit of why gratitude is so valuable. Um, several years ago, I started keeping a gratitude journal. And I, every day I write in there at least three things I'm grateful for. Now, you can do it before you go to bed or you can do it first thing in the morning like I do and I write it out. I'm a writer, so I, I love to make notes and so forth. But one of the things I realized is that when you look back over this journal you've kept for a year, there's no bad spots in it. It's all good. It's all good. Because when we focus on the negative, when we focus on the, the lack of, of whatever it is that we've got going on, then that becomes your reality, frankly. And so by focusing on gratitude, and you know, the Buddhist tradition talks about it, all religions talk about it. The need to think about, you know, what is in my life that I can be happy for? What, what brings me joy? There are moments, even in the darkest of places, you can find a little light. And that light is what you need to hang on to. And I, I see this as a really, really critical piece of finding joy in our life. Because if all we're going to be looking at is what we don't have or what we, we want and don't get, um, or the direction that our lives are taking is not the one that we want to, then let's go back to that control question again. What do you have control over? Most of the time, what you have control over is your thinking and your behavior. Most people don't believe that, but it's true. Your thinking and your behavior are under your control, nothing else, because circumstances change from moment to moment. Um, so think about that for a moment. Your thinking and behavior are under your control, and you get to choose, negative or positive. The brain doesn't distinguish. The brain doesn't care. All it knows is that there's an energy field there. And if you feed that negative energy field with a continuation of life is no good, then that's what you get. Life is no good. But if you go to the gratitude piece, the gratitude piece says, I can see little bits of light. 
and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the smile that my my daughter brought to my life. Or if you've got no children in your life and you've got an animal in your house, I know that my dog gives me tremendous pleasure. And it, it was all the, the great hormones, the endorphins, the dopamine, the you know the oxytocin. It all gets boosted out. Uh, you know when you can it can take pleasure in the moments. That's really in those uncertain times. Find the pleasure in the moments and write about it. Absolutely. And and I, you know, I started journaling a few years ago and, and, you know, it's one of those things that you have to, you have to build that muscle, right? You have to build that habit. And I know that when I first started doing it, I didn't think much of it, but you are correct that when you look back and you just pick a random day and a random year, a random month, you almost, you forget those moments in time. And when you look and you see, wow, you know, I forgot about that little piece of joy. I'll, I'll just give you an example of one day there was a big rainstorm and there was a rainbow that came over my office building. And one of my team members the next morning sent me a picture and we printed that picture and I had included it in a gratitude journal from years ago. I had forgotten. It wasn't something I remembered, but yet just recently I turned to that page And that moment in time is probably something I would have never recalled. But I was grateful that, number one, it was beautiful, there was a rainbow, but a team member captured it and thought of sending it to me. Right. And I was grateful for everything, for the rainstorm, for the building, for the team member, for all of it. And you're right, that moment, capturing that moment, and then every once in a while, even going back and reviewing it, especially when times are yeah. not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I've got a shelf full of journals that yeah. you know, are, are yay deep. And, uh, you know, most of them I never will look at again, although I keep thinking I could probably open them up and write another book based probably on Probably good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I talk about in the Fearless Factor at work, appreciation, yeah. and how we don't get enough appreciation in the world, which is all tied into gratitude also. It is. Because, you know, you don't, your your team member showed her appreciation by giving you this rainbow, yes. you know, like, look at this, this is a gift, yes. you know, and, but I was just talking about appreciation the other day there, you know, about how, how do we appreciate? Do you recognize others? Can you say thank you? Can you tell people that they're doing a good job? Can you, you know, acknowledge people in the moment around the things that they're doing that somehow make you smile or or make you feel good, you know, but too many times we let those moments go by without any recognition whatsoever. And in the workplace, it's chronic. Um, Most people are told to just keep their head down and get on with it. Um, And there's no real sense of helping people to get that sense of belonging that they talk so much about in in work culture these days. Um, But that, that piece is very much about the appreciation so, and appreciating self. Yeah. Appreciating, you know, we talk about taking the risks. Give yourself a moment to say, wow, I really did that. Yeah. You've done it. Mm-hmm. I've done it. And it feels good. And it feels really but it good. But takes, it takes a long road to get there. And I yes. think, Jacqueline, I think you and I will both agree. Part of what we want for the world is we want to get people there sooner rather than later. 
I think that's yeah. one of the things we're both on a mission to accomplish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I said a long time ago that my mission was to, to change the world one person at a time. And it's and possible. What, and, it's possible. Yeah, that it's is possible. achievable. You know, the hundreds of people I've coached over the last 15 years. Yeah. And I know that every single one of them has had breakthroughs that they might not have had if they hadn't had the conversations with me. Now, I'm not saying I'm responsible for their change process because everyone's entitled, you know, and does their own process. But it's that sounding board that I mentioned earlier. You know, it's just that little window that allows you to go, oh, I haven't thought of that before. And maybe during this conversation we're having today, there'll be someone listening who goes, you know what? I haven't actually thought about that before. Well, then the next response to that is, well, now that you can think about it that way, what do you want to do about it? That's right. That's that right. The, and that, that leads becomes- me to my next question. I do agree with you that as especially women, um, it's not just women, but especially women, we do struggle with asking for what we want. So I actually want to speak about big dreams because I think sometimes, especially as women, because we are um, most of the time the caretaker, the caretaker of the family, the caretaker of our parents, the caretaker uh, at work, like we are just naturally put in a position where we care for others. We take care of others. And sometimes we struggle with putting ourselves first and putting it out there that my big dream is whatever it is, X, okay? So how do we get women especially, to think about putting out that big dream and making sure that we're working towards that and believing that it's okay for us to do that. That's not taking away from our children or our husbands or our parents or our anything else. It's actually to help the whole situation. So how do we focus in on that? There's there's multiple levels to this, of course. So being a caretaker, and I definitely was a caretaker for a great deal of my life. um, The idea of putting self first is number one, because most, and I would say many women, I I will not say most, but many women see that, that putting themselves first is being selfish. And the way I like to reframe that is it's called self-care. It's not selfish. Because if you can't take care of number one, first and foremost, if you're a caretaker type, if you can't take care of number one, you don't have the energy and strength to take care of everybody else. So it's important that you take care of number one. Now, building big dreams. Many people absolutely have a big dream, but they're afraid to go after it because they're afraid that somehow the universe won't give it to them or they don't or have they're the right not person. worthy that they feel they're and, not worthy and, of. That's, and that's where i'm going with this or they don't deserve it right now i can tell you a story from my own life um at a certain point in my life i reached a reasonable degree of, of financial success and um quite a bit of financial success and we decided to build a house And a lot of the financing came from my husband's side of of the family. And we built this extraordinary house in Los Angeles. And it was, you know, many thousands of square feet. And just, it was an amazing place with fabulous views, the whole thing. I was in therapy at the time. And I told my therapist, I don't want to move into that house. After we'd spent three years building it. 
And she said, why wouldn't you? And I said, because I don't think I deserve it. Now, talk about big dreams. You know, we had a big dream. We built this, this amazing home. And we already had children at that point in time. And this was a place we were going to raise the kids and so forth. But that little piece inside of me, which didn't deserve it, which is tied into the fear of not being good enough. And that's where a lot of this, I have a big dream, but I won't reach it. Or I have a big dream, but I'm just going to take little baby steps towards it. Because having a big dream gets back to the question that we started with, which is risk. I have to take a lot of risk in order to make that big dream come true. There's other things that you got to think about. There are six things that I learned in martial arts. I have a black belt in karate. The six things I learned in martial arts applies to everything in life. Number one is a commitment. You've got to make a commitment to whatever it is that you're going after. So if in martial arts you're in a fight, you've got to be committed to being in the fight. You've got to have focus. You've got to know what it is that you're looking at. And in a martial arts fight, you're not looking at hands and legs. You're looking in the eyes because in the eyes you can see everything. The next piece of that is going to be discipline. Thousands of hours of rep repetitive stuff that you have to keep showing up for. Then there's follow through. Follow through is really important because somebody throws a punch or a kick, you've got to be able to follow it back. You've got to do something with that. Then there's consistency. You've got to be consistent with your actions. And the last piece is perseverance. You fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. So commitment, focus, discipline, follow through, consistency, and perseverance. You know that that's what takes all of us. Need those skills, and they are definitely learnable to be able to reach that big dream. But you've got to be able to formulate that big dream first and foremost. And even that can be incredibly risky for some people. And it is. Because, and it, it is, is risky. risky. It absolutely is because yeah. the minute you sit down and say, this is it, you're putting it out there. And if you're in the back of your head saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever enough, you're taking a risk. Yeah. So, and and Jacqueline, you and I are on the same page. I'm with you. Those six components are absolutely on point. And I agree with that. And I believe, and I think you would agree with me, I think we all have the power to design our lives. Whatever no life we, we look set to have. Yeah. But the question is, are you willing to take the risk to actually accomplish what you set out to have? That's, whatever that's, that vision looks right. like, whatever yeah. the vision looks like for you. Are you willing to do the hard work yeah. that it takes to get to that big vision? I mean, I certainly set my sights many times over the years. I mean, I was told when I was growing up that I would never amount to anything. And I believed that for a long time until one day I'm standing in front of a group of FBI officers talking about fear and I told them the story of my father who said, you'd never amount to anything. So I look up at the ceiling and I go, so what do you think now, Dad? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been gone a long time. Um, but, you know, there, there is that piece that scary as it might be on the big vision, on the big dream piece, if it matters to you, if it's absolutely essential to the success of your life, for you to know that you're success in your life. Whatever shape that takes, then take the next step and, and then take the next step and then take the next step 
until you get closer to what it is you're you're looking for. But write it out. Again, I'm going to come back to the paper. Write out what your dream is. Tell the story of who you want to be. And one of the questions I say to people is, who do you want to be in, in 10 years from now? Not what do you want to do, but who do you want to be in 10 years from now? What kind of person will you be in 10 years from now? And I can tell you 10 years ago, from where I am to where I am today, I had a dream that this is where I wanted to be, but it was a lot of steps to get me there. And if you don't have the confidence in your credentials, then go figure out how to get more of what you need. If you don't have the the, the self-awareness that you need to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, again, there's lots of resources out there. You know, for me, it was coaches. I had tons of great coaches over the years, and they helped to steer me in the right direction and help me address the things that were getting in my own way. Because we can all be our own worst enemy. Learning how to be your own best friend, supportive, nurturing, caring, compassionate, all of these things, instead of, you know, what I call the two by four syndrome, which is, you know, slam up the side of the head every time you do something that isn't quite right. Uh, and then look at whose standards you're you're trying to meet. Is it yours or is it somebody else's? You know, there's 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 an awful lot here, as I said, to unpack. But these are some of the, the things that I would ask people to think about as they're setting their big dreams and they're thinking about taking more risks and they're thinking about the fears that are holding them back. Are they real? Nine times out of ten, I guarantee you they're not. So yeah, it's It's so interesting that, you know, a lot of times we kind of just make decisions based on what we think will be accepted or we make decisions based on what we've seen prior. But we live, we are so fortunate to live in a world where literally anything is possible. It's yeah. limitless. If yeah. something hasn't been done before, create it. Do it yeah. differently. Like you mentioned when we when we first got on, you mentioned that even before pandemics, you pretty much always like to work virtually and that you that has been part of the way you did business even before. Now, maybe that wasn't atypical, but yet you have been doing that and you paid that way because that worked for your life and your business, right? That is exactly what we all need to do is that yeah. we can always come up with excuses. We can always come up with reasons why not right? Mm -hmm. Why don't we challenge ourselves to realize that it's, you know, it's almost I'm, I'm hearing JFK in my, in, you know, of the whole, the question of, right? I mean, the way that we see things and ask, you know, what you can do, we have to make that decision ourselves. And it's yeah. a beautiful moment in time when we realize that everything that we need to fulfill those big dreams, we actually have the foundation within us and then the missing pieces of the puzzle, the strength pieces that we need or recognizing I'm not, this isn't my strong suit. I need help over here or I need to explore that. All that is there for us. It's just a yeah. matter of kind of squashing down and eliminating that negative thought factor because you're right. We decide if it's negative or positive, what are we going to focus in on? Are we going to squat away the negative or are we going to focus in on the negative? So I love that. And so what I would also say about the negative is 
it's not so much squashing it, it's about recognizing it and saying, you know, it's what we call the gremlins of the mind, where you've got this dialogue going on. And I certainly did for a long, long time about not being good enough and nothing I do did would work out right and so on and so forth. But I can say, okay, I hear that, but that's not where I choose to put my focus. So it, it will it will always be a piece. Self-doubt will always be a piece. I mean, I don't care how successful you are. There's still a little piece from time to time that shows up and goes, yeah, really? Right? You want to do that? Okay, fair enough. And some of these people, you know, some people who are, are watching this today might say, well, you're very successful women. You've, you've already got it together. But we paid a price for this. There's no question in my mind that, you know, this was not an easy road. And to your point that you made earlier, I want to help people get there faster. I have, you know, I mean, not about promotion, but I'm running a program that's called Accelerated Change because I, I really do feel that I've got insights and tools that can help people move faster than they are currently doing through this change process. Because a lot of it is we don't have enough information. We don't have the right kind of information. And we don't even know where to start looking for the right kind of information. But you and I have spent thousands of hours doing our due diligence on what's it going to take to take the next step. Yeah, And we're, we are going to, I think the first thing is you have to be open to it. I think you have to be open. I think you have to recognize that I can do this and I want to do this and it is possible. And I think yeah. once you have that, then you're right. Get with the right program and be get within, I like to call it a tribe. Get within a tribe that is there that to support you, like-minded people that are going to kind of be your sounding board, like you said, someone else to be able to, you know, and feel supportive. And I think we're completely unstoppable, especially as women. I think we have such strong foundational emotional intelligence and compassion and, and work ethic. And we all, we do take care of people so well. We are great at doing that coupled with our businesses. I think we are in such a great place. But the other side of that is because we're so great at taking care of others and having compassion and empathy and and being willing to to step up, you know, be careful for a lot of people who are big volunteers to be caretakers that they they stop for a moment. I like to say if your automatic response is, yeah, I'll do it. Ask yourself, does this serve my needs? Does this serve my best interests? Because that's a place where you really can ask yourself and start that, that self-reflective process. Because all that giving, reverse it. Hold up the mirror and give it back to yourself. That's that self-care that I mentioned earlier. Show yourself some compassion. So you show yourself some some uh, appreciation. Show yourself the gifts that you're so willing to give other people. Because there's a gift in the giving, and then there's a gift in the receiving. And so we need to remember that as as we're going through whatever processes we're going through. Very good point. That is very true. All right. So, Jacqueline, tell us where we can find the book, where we can learn more about your program. This has been fabulous, and I want everyone to be able to learn more. Thank you, Laura. Um, you can find me at thefearlessfactoratwork.com. That's thefearlessfactoratwork.com. 
And on there, you'll find a lot of resources that are worth having. There's also a free excerpt from the book on fear that you can download. And uh, the book itself is available on Amazon, both books, The Fearless Factor and The Fearless Factor at Work. Uh, And I think that's pretty much it. And my program that I talked about, the six-week accelerated program, that's going to be starting up again in January. So I'm excited. I've already done uh, the, the first round of this and it's hugely successful. So I'm looking forward to helping more people change their lives. Awesome. Well, the book is wonderful. I did read it. I downloaded it. It was great. So highly recommend it. And everyone check out what Jacqueline has to offer because she's got some real great insights. Thank you so much for joining us today and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.